Welcome to episode four, We Are the Light. This is Kevin Kempton. I have a special guest with me today, John Taylor. John has been doing a YouTube series surrounding Ezra's Eagle and prophecies about the second coming of Jesus Christ. If those are things that interest you, uh, if you're not familiar with Ezra's Eagle, it's really worth checking out. You can find him on YouTube at John Taylor. Uh, just type in John Taylor and Ezra's Eagle and that will pop up on our Facebook page. I'll also have the link to his YouTube channel. Um, I love how John presents his information. I love, uh, I've, I've looked at and studied a lot of individuals on this topic. And I'm the most impressed with John and how he does that. And what really impresses me about how he goes about it is he encourages people to study on their own, to seek their own answers, not just listen to what he has to say, but to go out and verify, validate through prayer and study on their own. And I think that's a great, um, a great thing for all of us to do when it comes to spirituality, to our testimony, to our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our Savior. And so today, John and I are going to talk about those things, about our life, about this world we live in, about our testimony, these things that we're dealing with as a human uh, race in this, the last days before the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Let's go ahead and jump right into this. This is John Taylor and Kevin Kempton. We are the light. Tell people listening to this a little bit about yourself, your, uh, you know, who you are. I know on your last uh, video episode you just did, you really got a little bit more into your um, your temporal history, right? Things you did where mm -hmm. you've been in the military, your family's in the military. There's things that you did that really gave you a very unique education on mm -hmm. how the world works. You're not the typical American who spent their entire lives comfortably behind the confines of our safe borders or once we're safe borders yes. uh, you get out in the world you've experienced that firsthand and then you have the religious side of that as your Ezra's eagle stuff you know eloquently shows so so John yeah. just for a little bit tell us you know a little bit who you are your background what yeah I you know I I mean I grew up in the church I grew up um Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um and I remember, you know, it was a priority for my parents and, um, you know, they weren't perfect, but there's things I remember my dad did that just stuck out, little sacrifices he made. You know, one thing he always would talk to me about was the importance of, you know, going on a mission and it, and there was an expectation. He, he said, when you go on a mission, um, this is what you're going to do and this is how it is. And so growing up, I always had that. Uh, desire and you know I was I wasn't the perfect kid in high school I I was always a thrill seeker I was always uh, jumping off cliffs doing backflips on skis and and climbing and and the outdoors was just my thing and so I just I love to do that and I love to push the bounds and you know it got me in a pickle a few times but you know you mature out of that high school phase and it came to a point where I says yeah I've I need to go on a mission and that's what I've always wanted to do. So I went on a mission. I went to the Canary Islands in Spain, um, seeing a different culture. It, just incredible. The perspective you get when you're really working with extreme poverty and with people that really don't have a lot to eat and, you know, things like that. So just a great life starter for me uh, going out and, I wasn't, I don't consider myself a very smart kid in high school. I struggle with grades. I didn't care a lot. I slept a lot, you know, but when I got on my mission, I really started reading scriptures and studying and, and learned that I actually had the ability to teach people and, and these talents that I didn't realize I ever had, I had the ability to learn and I could do these things. So it made me confident for college. And I came back and my dad says, well, how are you going to pay for college? Because they were too poor to do that. So I I don't know. And he says, why don't you join the military? And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I went, I became a field medic. And then I was a surgical tech. I worked in surgery. Um, absolutely fascinating. Um, finished college, but halfway through college, that's when I found the ROTC. I said, I'd, I'd like to get commissioned and be an officer. So I did ROTC. I got a commission and then I'm like, let's go active duty. And I had met my wife and got married that, that time. So we went active duty to Georgia 
And I was deployed from active duty. Um, we lived in Georgia for three years. I was deployed to Saudi Arabia. And I'll tell you, that was the most eye-opening experience uh, other than my mission, just living in Saudi Arabia, going down to what we called Chop Chop Square, where they would do public executions, and um, just visiting the gold souk, which was next door. The gold souk, they would lay gold all over the counter, and it was just a whole bunch of stores of gold, and they'd walk off, and nobody would steal anything, because the penalty was you got your hand cut off. So <laughs> it was an interesting deterrent, but coming back from that experience and then getting out of the military. And then I just jumped into sales. So, you know, on the way we had a lot of kids, I've got six kids and my passions for life. Um, I've always loved sports and I've always loved the outdoors. And um, I love music. I played percussion my entire life and used to teach drum lessons to kids in the neighborhood and and uh, it's interesting to see my kids adopt some of the same passions I have. But the one passion I've tried to maintain was my passion for the gospel and for the church. And um, I had that all the way growing up. My mission really galvanized it. And since my mission, I've always had this fascination about the end times that we would be living in and you hear all these things through your whole life and so um i started i think i've been studying end times events for my, the last 25 30 years um and then when people started doing youtube videos like you're doing i thought you know i got a lot of ideas that i'd like to share to give people perspective because in these last days where there's so much noise and so much, so many narratives, but the very elect will be deceived listening to all these narratives. And so I just thought, you know, I'm going to do a series of the current things I'm studying. And that's how Ezra Eagle came about, which to me has been the most coolest prophecy in these last times, recent prophecy in these last times, other than the real important stuff, but this is a prophecy that we could not have known until certain markers, certain presidents and things have passed. So it was intended for our day. It's not a prophecy that we need to know and our salvation is not based on it, but it was a prophecy for those who that who are interested can learn and can benefit from. So yeah, I, I'm just like everybody else, you know, uh, same passions and things like that. But, you know, all of our experiences can help each other negotiate this life. Well, you're you're getting your information out there because I was doing some studying. And of course, I do my own studying. And then I listen to individuals like yourself and just, you know, glean the the hours and hours and years of of just aha moments that you've had. And one of the these individuals was reading and somebody suggested you on the comments and the person went through and listened to all your stuff and cited several things that you said and some of the things they agreed with and disagreed with and things like that. But um, I love how you, you go through. So anybody listening to this, uh, you go to YouTube to John Taylor um, and you'll find, or you type in John Taylor and Ezra's Eagle and you'll find all the videos that he's done. You've only been doing this for about a year. Yeah. But a lot of people have spread that that information you put out there as I have studied. Um, and I'll be honest, I start reading Daniel, I start reading, you know, the revelations that are in uh, you know the New Testament that are in different places and revelations. And you start talking about horns and kingdoms and things, man, I get just, <laughs> you're like, well, okay, I'm lost. And I try and look at footnotes and I try and study different things. And, and it really just, you know, starts to go over my head a lot of that stuff. And and then I grab, uh, you know, videos like yours and it really helps kind of bring that in focus. What I love about yours is that you constantly state, this is not gospel doctrine. This is not prophetic in that I feel like I'm a prophet that got called from right. God to tell everybody this. This is just my opinions. And even on your last segment, you said, hey, now with certain events that are happening, you know, I'm, I'm having to readjust some of the, the nuances and things that that you thought yeah. before and 
that's really where I get with this stuff. It's like you're saying, this is not going to necessarily change my eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is it helps me not be as easily deceived. As you start yeah. to see the markers check off, mm-hmm. you're able to say, okay, I see where we're at. I think we're here. And if we're here, this should be coming next. And if this mm-hmm. comes next, what do I need to do to prepare for that? I was talking to a person the other day who's like, yeah, I got my place up in the mountains. I've got my guns. I've got my food. <laughs> when this happens, I'm going there and I'm going to be fine. And I went, yeah, <laughs> no. And, and she's like, what do you mean? No, I'm surrounded by great people. And I go, what do you think is going to happen when law and order breaks down? You think nobody in that area is going to lust for power. Nobody's going to want to become a militia head and control the individuals. I go, so maybe you will be safe. Maybe you won't. But the way to ensure you'll be safe is to constantly fast and pray and ask Heavenly Father what you should do. And being in that cabin may or may not be the place you should be. Right. You know yeah, it's it's kind of what the the church talked about extreme prepper type um, survivalism, I guess you could call it, and um, that's definitely there because even not just our religion, but all religions knows that the end of the world's going to come, and Revelations and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all these talk about really difficult times, and so naturally we think, well, how do we hunker down and protect ourselves? But the Lord has a different idea for us. And if you if you think you're going to live by the, the sword, you're going to die by the sword. You know, there's, I think of Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, when that devastated the area, well, the government, the mayor decided that, well, we're going to take away the guns. That was the first thing he decided. There's your, there goes your Second Amendment rights. And he went and, and people broke in this lady's house and she had a gun to defend herself and they shot and killed her. And so I'm like, listen, you know, the only way you're going to negotiate this is by the spirit. And which that's why the prophet says you will not be able to survive the coming days with the constant comforting, guiding, directing influence of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is not going to tell you to hunker down in an easy spot where you can just hide away until the second coming comes. You, you need to go through a refining experience and you need to learn how to help others through that experience. And he's going to use us as instruments in his hands to help explain things that go on. So, yeah, I just, I would caution that. And, you know, you hit on the other thing too, um, about a lot of us are predicting and speculating about future events. And the thing that everybody needs to be cautious about is um, the the adversary wants us to have contention. And we definitely should not be fighting about what's going to happen. But sometimes we formulate an idea or an opinion and we don't want to let go of it. And then we argue and debate it. And to me, it doesn't make any sense because we are all guessing. And so if you're unwilling to let go, you're unteachable. You know, I'm I'm in medical sales and I talk to, I, I call on doctors every day. And some of my providers, I say, are too proud to learn. They are too proud and too smart to learn anything new. And, you know, I have, I have something that they could learn that could help them and their patients. But some are too proud, but some are very receptive and they learn and they become, frankly, better providers. So I, I just think as Latter-day Saints, do not argue about these things. Be willing to change your mind and be open to it because um, we're going to be shocked at the things and changes that come into play. And even the prophet said, you're going to see the coming days. You're going to see the power of God unlike you've ever seen in the history of the world. So there's pretty exciting things to happen. And I wouldn't want to do it, you know, locked away in a bunker. I I'm, I want to go through it, frankly. Yeah, it's, I was telling my friend the other day, I'm like, listen, I have guns. I believe in the Second Amendment. I'll have those guns and I'll use those guns to defend my family as I feel appropriate. But yep. I, the story I gave her was one of my great-great-grandfather who was asked to leave uh, lower uh, Utah and come down to Arizona at a time when 
the Indians in the area were very unhappy and were actually killing people as they traveled through. And they would light mm -hmm. three fires up on these hills. And when they did that, they'd come in and then just massacre everybody that was down on these, these wagon trains. And so they were going across with this uh, convoy of U.S. military supplies. And they got to this river crossing and my great, my great, great grandfather helped them cross the river. And it was towards evening time. And all of a sudden the three fires got lit up on the hill and the convoy just said, well, hey, thanks for helping us get across the river. We cannot stay and wait for you. So good luck with you. And he only had was his wife and his daughters, their horses. And he had one Henry rifle, it was brand new. And they left him high and dry, right? Okay. And so he's sitting there going, okay, what do I do? And they prayed. And the uh, the Indians came into camp, and of course he has a Henry's rifle. So what is our our natural instinct? Well, I need to get this gun and protect my family, right? Right. But he felt the distinct impression not to do that. And they came mm -hmm. in and they said, "How many weapons do you have?" And he said, "I have this one rifle." They said, "Give it to me." So he gives them his only means of defense. So now he's totally defenseless in the prairies that these Indians have been massacring people. They take his gun and they go to shoot it, do some target practice, and they can't hit the broadside of the barn with it. So they give it back to him and tell him it's, it's garbage. It's a brand new Henry's rifle. I mean, they're a great <laughs> rifle. And then they ask him, well, is this all your animals that you have? And he goes, well, no, we lost three horses. Uh, but other than that, this is all we have. They said, okay, they left. And three hours later, they came back with his horses and give him oh. his horses and then wow. leave. Yeah. And so he's just like, okay. And then like three days later, they catch up to that convoy and everybody in the convoy is dead and it's just been completely decimated so like you said it may not be in this kind of the next kind of topics here it may not be an easy journey because like you right. said with the marathon mm -hmm. if you rode a bike during a marathon and then they held a celebration for everybody who ran a marathon and you were in that celebration you would feel some level of I don't belong here because yeah. I'm the only one here that didn't sacrifice, that didn't actually run the marathon. I cheated. Yes. And really what has come into focus with me with reviewing your stuff, my own personal studies, is the world in the word endure mm -hmm. so much more stress than it's ever been. And really what we're here for now is God is going to say, okay, I'm going to take every person in the world, not just members of the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints, any Christian or mm -hmm. convert that will become a believer in Christ, and he's going to try them. He's going yes. to put them through the furnace of affliction. And a lot of times this misconception is, well, if I follow God, then everything should go smooth. Yeah. The opposite. I mean, John, has your life been... <laughs> An uninterrupted <laughs> string of holidays because of your faith, and you've never right had these trials and challenges. You just have this beautifully paved golden road no, of happiness. I just I don't think it would be a colorful life that was if it was the silver spoon type of life where you know I had all the money in the world, and I mean I just wouldn't appreciate it. And I you know the philosophy I've always adopted for my kids is uh, fear nothing, try everything. And especially the hard things, and it's it's worth working through the hard things because it makes things easier down the road. So, I you know like you're saying, um, we are pain avoiders sometimes, but sometimes we shouldn't be pain avoiders. We should look forward to the difficult times, and you know the the overall we need to let God prevail and we need to learn to trust Him, and the reason why he's going to create absolute chaos. You know, God loves a good comeback story where you got the biggest bully in the world. You're in the ring with Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson might punch you and knock you down, but guess what? You're going to win over Mike Tyson. And the scriptures are full of those examples when um, the children of the covenant would lay down their weapons of war and they would be blessed. And, and let God work the miracle because he wants to prove that no matter what the enemy or the adversary does to you, he is going to help you through just the craziest stuff in the future that you possibly couldn't even imagine. The greatest odds. I mean, history is full of it. George Washington and that war. I mean, George Washington concluded it was only God that helped us get through this. 
And it's like God brought him to the brink of difficulty and then rescued him to prove that trust. I mean, look at Job, um, just gave him every trial he could. And then, and then the reward was just incredible. I mean, so we're going to be, you know, we're going to go through hard things, but the more you trust in your heavenly father to prevail in your life, and the more, the less fear you're going to have. Like I talked about faith, faith versus fear, and faith is going to dispel fear. And I remember Elder Packer talking once. Um, I can't remember if it was a fireside, but he said, you know, one of the emotions that the brethren, meaning the apostles and the prophet, one of the emotions that they no longer have or feel is the emotion of fear. And I'm like, how appropriate, because they... They trust God completely. They know hard things happen and it doesn't scare them because they can see the behind the big picture of, you know, of their lives and this whole plan. So it's, you know, it's interesting to me studying, studying like the, about the Antichrist and about some of these things in my last presentation, you think, wow, this is so scary. But then you learn that God is the author <laughs> of putting it into their hearts to do these things and to create these things. So he is orchestrating a lot of stuff. And you mentioned was, you know, was my life roses? No, I, I remember being fired from my job, a couple jobs and being laid off and having to do some real faith challenging things. I still pay my tithing. I still paid for my graduate program. I still did this, but you know, we ate food storage for two years. We sold all my assets, liquid, liquidated my 401k. I was too proud to take any money from the bishop. I was too proud to take any money from the government. And I probably should have because I paid taxes. But anyway, and we came to the brink of just not having um, enough money where we were going to lose our house and all that stuff. And then uh, the, the miracle, you know, I get, I get this job and, and it's a fantastic job and I'm fully restored. And then I was called to be a bishop and I was like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that, that was probably a, a thing he wanted me to go through so that I could serve and relate to people. And so I look back and I say, I got fired and how unfair that was. Well, it was part of the plan. And so why was I complaining? I just, I needed to just accept it and roll with it. And yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it's it's interesting you bring that up. I, I tell my wife when I list your stuff, I'm like, like I said before the beginning, it's like, like John and I come from the same cloth. I have Boy K. Packer written at the bottom of my notes and his <laughs> quote, which is, fear is the absence of faith and faith is the absence of fear. You know, you, it's interesting you bring that as, as you talk and do stuff, I'm like, you know, it, it's it's fun listening to you because we just are so in the same yes. mindset with with this stuff. But um, a couple of things that you you brought up, and I brought this one up with the second coming. For those who listen to this that are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can go to the website Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints org, click on Library, and this reference that I'm going to give you is for it's the Book of Mormon. Uh, Elder Holland said, if you want to know what the second coming is going to be like, read Third Nephi. It's a book in the mm -hmm. Book of Mormon. You can click it, you can read it. But it also is very reminiscent of what you pointed out in your last video series, which is the rise to power of the Nazi regime, Hitler, mm -hmm. how they did it with the cheering of the voice. I remember listening to a lady who was a was a little girl when this happened in Austria and talked about how they voted him in with 93% of the popular vote with cheers. And, yeah. and she walked through the, the wrapping of the chains, if you will, around the necks of the people, little by little, a free radio, you know, free programs. Then those free programs, they cut out all religious services on Sunday. The kids would go to a two-hour indoctrination meeting, and then they had the finest sports equipment and they would have the kids play sports the rest of the day. So they wanted to actually go get mm. this indoctrination. And she remembered her mom, they had had money and pulling her out and putting her into a private school at that time. 
um, so that she wouldn't get this indoctrination. Mm-hmm. He talked about how they would go into towns and round up anybody with birth defects and things and tell the parents, hey, we're going to go heal these kids. They would go and, and one by one, every parent would get a letter about how their child suddenly died mysteriously, right? And they just purged the country of these deformities. Mm-hmm. And you see this, this happen. And why that's important to me is I see this is the exact thing that's going to happen now in the last days with the Antichrist that takes over. You cover that beautifully in your segment. Mm-hmm. And one of those things I've seen that's been laying the groundwork for years now is political correctness. I love the definition. Political correctness is the fear of offending man over the fear of offending God. Mm. And you look at Christmas, it's no longer Christmas, it's Merry Xmas. Like, I'm sorry, X has nothing to do with Christmas. I just don't do that. And my Mm. brother and some different people I've talked to, uh, I've talked to him at length about this recently, where it's like, you know, they're like, well, you know, I, I consult the universe and and I'm kind of blatant about it, but I'm like, the universe doesn't know who you are and it yeah. doesn't care. It's a right. bunch of space and it's a bunch of planets. Yes. They don't know who you are. They don't care. You can mm-hmm. talk to it all you want, but what you're really saying is I'm talking to God, but you're taking him out of the mix. Yes. Like, well, that's what I'm saying when I say it. I said, then just say it. Mm-hmm. Why, why try and be politically correct? And let's just go to this ambiguous universe instead of actually focusing in on the power that created you which is your heavenly father it changes everything when you're when you're actually counseling with a real person a god Mm -hmm. that loves you because he's your father and wants the best for you no matter how bad we do he's always there trying to pick us up Mm -hmm. Uh, i have have a good friend i just my mom just passed away into the funeral and i cited his comment he had made years ago to me when i was like i'm never going to be good enough to to go back to be with God like he wants, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, Kevin, he goes, when when we die, he goes, I have a firm testimony that we're going to look at God and all we're going to see and feel is the love he has for us, not his condemnation, not, exactly. his, judgment, not his anger. And, and people, Satan has worked so hard to destroy God's image yeah. and to shift his image to one of just a misunderstood good guy. Yeah. And you see but, the TV shows and things. You know, so how do you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, I love that in your last segment, you covered a lot of this detail. You yeah. guys, again, go look at John Taylor and watch these videos. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, great information. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I, I was an in- army intelligence officer. And so my entire job was to understand the enemy and every single aspect of them and every single capability of the enemy and understanding the enemy helped prepare the American military to be able to win. And, you know, it relates to Hitler. It relates to the day you talk about the narrative of the education to the little kids when they're young and impressionable and hiding that from the parents. And there's the same narrative going on with the social media. And, you know, I'll I'll grab my son, my uh, 17 year old son's cell phone, and he knows I'm going to look at it. Uh, just to keep them honest. And it's amazing to see these narratives. But, you know, you bring up a couple of good points. Um, The adversary wants us to take on a different label. Um, The prophet recently has says, you are a child of God and you are a disciple of Christ and you are a follower of the covenant. And there is one of those is not a choice. Being a child of God Everybody is a child of God, whether you believe him or not. That is a fundamental fact, uh, just as, you know, as real as anything out there. Um, But what is a choice is to be a disciple of Christ or a child of the covenant. And those are choices. And we are going to eventually choose which one we are going to be. So we have to be able to discern how the adversary is fighting. And it's through this narrative and our kids are on, under a huge attack. And it's so powerful and convincing when you talk about political correctness, you know, it's definitions. It's, um, you know, changes in little ways that they portray things, um, you know, that kind of sugarcoat it. So in my mind, the adversary wants us to take on a different label. like. He doesn't want you to realize you're a child of God. He wants you to identify yourself by your sexual preference, 
you know, and you can go around and brag. Um, you know, I, I could go around and brag, hey, I'm a heterosexual and that's my whole identity and let me play it, fly a flag. But that's not accurate. That is a, we have, a, everybody has a million different labels. You know, we're a father, we're a teacher, we're, we're a bow hunter, we're a basketball player. We, we have a thousand labels that identify us, but the fundamental label that we should identify ourselves is being a child of God. And what does that mean? Well, for me and my kids, I want my kids to have everything I have. I want them to grow and learn everything that I know. I And my love's not even perfect, but God's love is perfect. And so you're right. We go through life and we make mistakes. If my kid falls off the bicycle, I'm not going to be mad and reject them and say, okay, you're you're done. Get out of my life. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to understand and... Um, I'm going to appreciate the struggle and I'm going to help them through it. So really when we understand the atonement, if, you know, we make mistakes and we make doozy mistakes and we all will make mistakes and it's expected and it's okay. And you make mistakes, don't just give up and okay, God's not real. And I'm going to create a whole different narrative that God's not real. That would be foolish. That would be like saying, you know, my kid falls off the bicycle and, and he feels so guilty that he fell off the bicycle. So he decides to the to believe that I don't exist. His dad doesn't exist. So I don't have to feel guilty falling off the bicycle. So we just, you know, we need to be able to discern from all the mess that's going on out there. And you will always hear the brethren in conference talk about the fundamentals. And it's the fundamentals that bring the spirit into your life. And the spirit is what will guide you. So this lady you talked about in Nazi Germany, she got this impression that, man, I cannot send my daughter to this school because I just don't feel right about that. And I'll tell you, I, you have an impression or your, you know, parents have impressions about their kids. Don't ignore those. You get the sense that something's amiss. You need to go help and investigate. So Absolutely. she had that impression and it guided her to safety for her kids so she could protect them. Well, I love how you say, you know, you look at your son's cell phone. We hear so many times parents have been conditioned now on even popular TV shows. A kid's room is their personal space. And as a parent, you have no right to go in there. Um, no, we do. You know, right. our, our job is to make sure that our kids have the best platform to be successful as adults, I had somebody tell me that recently, and they're like, well, why should you have to tell your kid what's right and wrong? Why can't they just figure it out for themselves? And I'm right. like, because I see the effects that drugs have on yes. lives. I've seen the effect that pornography has on lives, how immorality affects yes. lives in a negative way. And so am I going to love my child if my child chooses to do things that I feel are against God's commandments? Yes, I'm going to love them. If they ask me if I feel that that's okay, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, here's my testimony. This is what I know to be true. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say it in a condemn, condemning or judgmental or, or tear down way. Mm -hmm. But I, ha I have friends who have beliefs and lifestyles that go against my Christian beliefs. They're my friends. We hang out. We have a good time. Yep. If they say, what do you think about this? I'll ask, do you really want my honest opinion? Yes, I do. I will share my honest opinion with them. And then when we talk, I'm like, listen, if you come to my environment, you're invited to an, an event I put on, then please come and respect the values that I have. If I choose right. to go to an event you put on, I realize these are your values in your event. If I don't feel comfortable there or you don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. in my house, then either one of us are free to leave. Yes. I'm not going to go to your event and then start spewing out my belief structure on these people who are there believing differently than me because it wouldn't be appropriate or christ-like right yes but i will be honest with that and so i like how you um you put that out i wanted to kind of illustrate one other topic you talked about the guns and stuff before and, and you know and people this mindset i'm going to shoot out my you know you know Mm -hmm. butch, butch casting and sundance kid yeah, scenario and that's again back to the book of mormon uh, we have the story of King Lamoni who didn't know anything about God, didn't know anything about, you know, his being a son of God. And he was just killing 
servants left and right. You know, yeah. they, they lose a sheep, he cut their heads off. Once mm -hmm. he realized God and who he was in the order of things, he was really scared because he's like, oh my gosh, you know, what have I done? And yeah. because he had been taught incorrect things and didn't know better, he was mm -hmm. able to receive forgiveness, but his, his people became very righteous and converted when he learned these, these principles, so much so that other people within their nation decided to come and attack him and, and to yes. wipe him out. And they had a choice that they could fight or they could not fight. Now, these people had promised, you know the story as well as I do, that mm -hmm. they weren't going to kill anybody anymore. They, they had done that. They had made that sin. They're like, God forgave us. We will never do that ever again. So they literally went out and knelt down. And I'm not saying the story for those people out there listening that everybody has to just put right. their guns down, don't fight. Right. I'm not saying that because we've said, again, you, you, you go with the spirit, how it impresses you for what you need to do. That's the yes. individual inspiration that comes to all of us. And we, we follow that. But in this case, their inspiration was to not fight. They yes. knelt down, the armies came in, and a thousand of them got slaughtered, right? You're like, yes. well, why did God let that happen? Well, as they're in this process, the army that's invading starts looking around like, what are we doing? And they mm -hmm. all of a sudden stop, and more than a thousand of the invading armies convert and learn and yeah. understand who God is through this event. Now, in our short-sightedness, we're like, yeah, but a thousand people just lost their lives. And the reason I want to bring this story up is uh, Cleon, Scal um, Cleon Scalzer oh. does the book Cleansing America. I don't know if you've read that or not. I yeah. love it. It's one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. But in there, he he had a scripture from the Bible about the second coming. And it said, those who are faithful, following Christ in the last days and lose their life because of the atrocities of man, this mm -hmm. antichrist, the persecutions that happen, that they will automatically obtain the highest degree in heaven, right? So be saved mm -hmm. if we become martyrs and that we shouldn't like, hey, I want to die. I want to be a martyr. That's not the point here. The right. point is, if your focus is, I want to live as long as I can on this earth, no matter what and how many people I have to kill, that's a perspective. Or right. if you say this earth really isn't the goal, yes. it's my eternal perspective is, and if I do what God asked me to do, even if I or family members of mine end up dying because of it, mm -hmm. the reward and God takes care of that. And so Satan wants us to focus on only this life. What do we have here and now? How many riches do we have? How popular are we? How many people believe in what we think? Don't go against the status quo. And God is the opposite. He's like, yes. focus on, on me. So I'll let you comment on those. I have one other thing after that, and then we'll kind of bring this thing in back yeah. to your Ezra's yeah. Eagle. I have this picture I want to show you. I'll put it up on the screen. We're done closing up because studying your Ezra Eagle stuff, I started, I started looking at some photos and this one popped up and it, and it just struck me. So I don't know if you've ever seen it. I'll, I'll show you. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about the faith that they had to lay down the, those weapons. And keep in mind, they made a covenant. They made a promise and they were going to stick to it. So the, the brink of fear where you're going to be killed. But like I've mentioned, you know, before, you're right. We're all going to be harvested in one way or another. Some of us are going to go out in a blaze of glory. Some of us are going to die a different way. Some of us are going to die of old age. I think we would all choose to die of just peaceful old age in our sleep. <laughs> but that's not, you know, how most of us go out. We, we die in different ways. So, you know, when you look at the big picture, the Lord brought them home. And they qualified themselves for celestial glory when they laid down their lives. And I always tell my kids, don't trade a trillion dollars for a nickel. Don't, you, the reward is so big, you can't even comprehend. I mean, a trillion dollars doesn't even do it justice. But the reward you're going to have that Heavenly Father wants to give you for your faithfulness is like a trillion dollars plus. And yet sometimes we hold on to these meaningless nickels in our life and we focus on these nickels and it's our whole priority. And that's the satanic distraction, you know. So we've got to learn to um, make these choices and teach our kids these choices. You, you, we were talking about, you know, kids. And sometimes I think the difficult things LDS uh, members have is like, I want my 
you know, freedom of choice is an important value and I want them to be able to choose. Um, so then they think, well, if I, if I don't give them a choice, then I'm not doing, I'm not parenting the way I should. And that doesn't make any sense to me because if my two-year-old says, dad, can I play in the, in the street? Well, I know playing in the street is bad for my two-year-old and they could get hurt. So absolutely. There is no expectation. I'm going to make that choice for you. You are not going to play in the street. Hey, dad, if, if we, if we parent with a question like, hey, son, do you, will you, do you want to have vegetables? No. Do you want to have this healthy thing to eat? No. Do you want to have ice cream for dinner? Yes. The kid is always going to choose not what's best for them, but what's most pleasing and pleasurable. So we as parents can't be questioning with a choice. We need to, we need to make these decisions. Um, for me, the expectation is like, look, we're going to go to church. We're going to say family prayer. We're going to have scripture studies. And here's why. I'm not going to say, okay, you kids have free agency. Choose if we're going to go to church. I mean, they probably always say, no, I'd rather play video games. So we as parents can't buy into this notion that we can just let them decide everything. They need the guidance. You know, my brother's left the church and he's he's like, I'm going to let my daughter decide when she's age 18, if she wants to get baptized or not. And I'm like, well, you know, I know it's good for her eternal progression. I know it's a trillion dollar reward and you know that too, but you're not going to have an expectation. So anyway, um, kind of got a sidetrack there, but you know, we, we are all in this fight together. So we, we're all trying to understand and everybody brings different talents and knowledge and experience. And that's what ministering is great for is we can help each other and we can gain perspective. Perspective helps us understand the tactics of the adversary and we can we can ground ourselves in what's truly fundamentally important. And we can have this eternal perspective of a trillion dollar award or whatever. Um, if we can just endure and negotiate some really scary, tough stuff. Uh, no, I agree. And, and as you said, you teach your kids, the kids become age of accountability, 18. And some of our kids have chose to do things that, we weren't super thrilled about, but again, we taught them what they should do. We showed them love. And then as they went through life and experience, wow, this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. They came back to what they were taught on mm -hmm. their own. Um, and we love them either way. And that's what our Heavenly Father does. And that's kind of the last part on this before we wrap it up with Ezra's Eagle is I tell people, John, all the time that here, I'm like, you need to put into perspective the granddaddy of all lotteries that you won to get here. And, you know, they kind of look puzzled, like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, look at the scriptures. The scriptures say that God has more worlds than the sands of the sea. Pick up a handful of sand and try and count how many yeah. grains of sand are in your hand. And he has more than all the sands of the sea. So mm -hmm. you're talking, can't even, you know, put a number to it, how many worlds he has and how many of those worlds have other people on those worlds, right? This isn't the first one. We know that. But... This is the only one where his son actually lived. Now, mm -hmm. he's visited all those other places, but he didn't grow up there. He yes. didn't get martyred there on a cross. We can jump on a plane, fly across the world, and we can stand in the exact spot that the Son of Man was at when he died, right? Mm -hmm. When he gave up his life for us, when he did the atonement, the Garden of Gethsemane, every one of God's creations know about the plan of salvation and the atonement they know about christ and the sacrifice made because it was for everybody not just this planet so you look at that and say okay and then god said well where there is the most light there is the most darkness opposites in oh. all things so mm -hmm. christ was the most perfect there's ever been which means we have the most wicked that's ever been satan mm -hmm. and we have all the people in the mix that choose one way or the other and and they divide right to the mm -hmm. wicked side or to the righteous side so just to be born on this earth <laughs> is like the most yes. remote thing possible. But to be born in this earth in the last days, right when Christ is about to return, and I don't know when he's going to be back. I have my theories and ideas, and I can see the signs and the wonders, you mm -hmm. know, and it talks about, uh, you talked about in your last video, the death, you know, when God, the uh, Antichrist, 
uh, does the abomination desolation when he basically mm. uh, desecrates the temples, the scriptures say, leave. Yes. Get out, right? What does that mean? You'll have to pray about that and figure out what that means for you. But basically, it's like bad things are about to really start ramping yes. up for good people. That's kind of a that's kind of a no go. Exactly. Right? Let's let's yeah. figure something out. Um, but the fact that you're on this world means that you are one of the strongest and most valiant sons or daughters that God has ever had. And I will say that again: sons or daughters. I know that's not politically correct. The, the prophet of our church, more than 20 years ago now, put the, the uh, proclamation to the world, it wasn't to our church, to the world, yes. that covered all of these things decades before Satan would really get enough hold to try and destroy the fundamental concept. And back when he put it out, it's like, why are you saying right. this? This is like so basic information. Sense. Why yeah. is it even having to be talked about? And now you see, oh, this is a blueprint for success and happiness in countries. I, I tell friends, I'm like, look at any nation in our recorded history that's embraced full-on hedonism. Just mm. go and shake off after your lust. Whatever you lust yep. after, go do it. Show me one that still exists. And there's not one. Yeah, All are destroyed, every one of them. And we're at that point where it's like, hey, whatever you want to do or be, you can do or be, regardless if it defies all biology and everything else. Yes. And if you don't believe that, you're a horrible person. And that's what Hitler did. That's what every civilization did that wanted to destroy righteous people. They did that thing. They attack fundamental family beliefs, the fundamental family unit. They try and destroy basically God, right? We see it in the scriptures, the Bible, with uh, with with Daniel and the lion's den. And these are all just stories about people saying, Hey, we got to destroy these people's faith. We can't let them have their faith. They need to be destroyed. And we see God that he inter intervened. But that's the whole point of this. Everybody listening to this is that you are one of the most strong and valiant sons and daughters of a living God and you're heirs to his throne. I'll keep repeating that on every podcast. Yeah. Your well, eternal person. Yeah. Like you said, the, the, the trillions of dollars, right? No. Nope. God says you will inherit all that he has. Well, He's got more worlds than the sands of the sea. That's a lot. Right. That's a yeah. lot more than this planet. And yeah. so you can be short-sighted and mm -hmm. go for whatever you can get right now. And mm -hmm. that's it. You die, you're done. You know, mm -hmm. you, you don't get that increased reward or you don't buy into all of this political garbage and, and political correctness. And you stand for truth and right. And you say, no, right. that's not okay. I love you. You can have your opinion. But I need to be able to have mine too. We need to be able to respect each other with that and show love, even if you don't agree. And the more people that do that, the more people will wake up and kind of go, yeah, the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. He's naked. Yes. Those aren't uh -huh. those aren't invisible <laughs> clothes. He's naked. Um, and then and they stand up. But um, anyway, so I, I I appreciate all those thoughts. I'll show you this picture here. Let's see if I can share my screen. I was yeah. looking for um Let's see where it is. There it is. And you might have seen this or not. This is, can you see the screen there now? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. You, you recognize the room, right? Yeah. And there Congress. you got an eagle. Yeah. The eagle. Now, this is an eagle with these pronounced wings, but this eagle, from the back, it looks like three heads. It right? is very interesting, you know, the, the eagle kingdoms. And it, it's it's amazing how the Lord weaves all sorts of clues and hints um, in the stars and in in Congress and and the words he says he fulfills you know exactly so if you're paying attention and following you can get these hints but yeah here you've got an eagle <laughs> and we are an eagle kingdom the Roman Empire was an eagle kingdom in fact um, people used to think that Ezra vision related to the roman empire but it does not match the emperor's rules or anything it actually matches um america perfectly and the odds of how perfectly it matches i think it was michael rush says like a one undecillion odds to match so perfectly so yeah this is a <laughs> that's a great picture well i looked at it and i did a little research and the, 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 you know, as the eagle puts its wings up and it has those prominent bone structures in history, it's been portrayed with those bone structures as additional heads. 
And so, and, and so when you look at this and this photo that was taken and, and the three headed Eagle, you look right here. I mean, if you didn't know these were wings, you would think, you know, there's three heads yeah. sitting here and it's in our, in our Congress. And it's just an interesting, interesting, uh, a picture, but, mm. um, I know we didn't talk immense on, on Ezra's Eagle on this podcast, but you've done such a good job on all your videos, people mm. that have watch those or listen to this podcast and go watch those we'll get all that information but um mm -hmm. but it's it is it's just interesting as you see it. it it just gives you so much uh when i was just looking today just this week uh you've been talking about how the the short feathers are shorter than you know the other ones if people aren't familiar with the prophecy you'll have to there's a lot of information you can't just right there, but you know, there's only four presidents. We've got Trump done. We got Biden, and we're like Biden should be shorter than 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 Trump was. And now we see the groundwork seems to be being laid right now. You can hear and see it. Yeah, to, to pull him out of office early, um, and and whether or not they will or not, I don't know. But it's just interesting how all of this, you know, classified you know. documents are even coming out right as we speak right now. This is just starting to unfold for him. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's interesting because. The you know people that are starting on their journey to understand these things, it can be overwhelming. And when it's overwhelming, you can just kind of discount it and say, "Oh, that's just too much. I don't believe that." And then a lot of times, what I see is they just give up, and they've got an opinion, but they haven't done the study to, to you know, to base their opinion on anything. So when I you know as I'm doing my journey. I listen to a lot of different videos and podcasts, and then I go read the scriptural text to understand for myself. And I can see where people are off and where they're on. And so, you know, as as people want to know what's coming up, um, I mean, the beast kingdom, this and the horns, there's a lot of symbology. So reading different books, I, Michael Rush had a great series of books and Cleon Skousen and, you know, the President's Makers and all these different books can give you perspective. So knowledge is power and it will help you see um, better the more you learn this. And I would just advise everybody, stick to the fundamentals, what you're supposed to do, but seek, seek knowledge and learning and ask and ye shall receive. So it, it's exciting to me. A lot of people ask me what what's going to happen this year. And you know, I think uh, Biden as a short feather, um, we he's going to be taken out before Trump. And we made this prediction before he was even president. We in the Ezra Eagle community have always said the next president is going to not even fulfill his full term. I even have a steak dinner bet with my brother who doesn't believe in all this. I says, um, let's make a steak, uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse bet that Biden will not make it to January 20th of 2025. He will be taken out before because that's what the prophecy says. So we are within two years of that happening. And we've seen the Brunson brothers lawsuit come, come up. I don't think that's going to go anywhere, but we see the, the document scandals going on. We see all this stuff. What? So my prediction, which is what everybody wants to get to, is we will probably see, and this is speculative, and I'm I'm willing to change my opinion, but we will we will be seeing um, some government shifts and changes with Biden, and when he's taken out, line of succession says Kamala Harris will be second to serve. Well, the prophecy says the next two feathers, the next two presidents in line, will think to rule, but they will be eaten up by the eagle heads, meaning they will not be allowed to serve. So. My, in my mind, when Biden gets taken out with all, whatever shenanigans or whatever, and it won't be just by Republican Party, it will be the liberal, the Democrat Party, too, because they will see him as a liability for 2024. So they want, want to put somebody that is strong in place. So when Kamala Harris, by 25th Amendment, is going to come forward, they're going to say, no, you're at fault, too. And there fulfills the third feather that thinks to rule. So by line of succession, it would be McCarthy now, who is Speaker of House. And they're not going to go for that too. So I think feathers three and feather four will be Kamala Harris and McCarthy. All of this is going to change. And then we have the eagle heads, this king of the north. So we're going to have three rulers. And this eagle head king of the north is a tyrant. 
We go to war. He makes many changes. We will be digital currency. We will lots of new laws and rules, and he will set this up following him and the three eagle heads for the Antichrist. So you want to... And like you said, it's, it's speculative. So let's say Kamala gets in and she actually does go in and stay in there for four months or whatever, finishes out Biden's term and goes out. That's short term. And then, yep. like you say, maybe McCarthy, maybe they pull her out. McCarthy goes in. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe somebody does actually run. Exactly. Wins yeah. the presidency for 2024. And for whatever reason is, is taken out. I mean, one interesting thing that popped up is they've fast-tracked a lawsuit through the Supreme Court. Yeah, the Brunson brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's what you referenced there. Where yep. it, it's they're not they're not suing for the legitimacy of this last election, this presidential election, mm -hmm. but suing the actual members of the Senate that should have investigated and thereby didn't do their duties. Now, if that goes through and gets upheld, you look at I think it's like sixty eight people in there. Is it side? It was uh, actually it was three hundred and. Um... 85 that voted to certify the election and not do the due diligence of a 15-day investigation. Instead, they pushed forward to certify the election. And the premise of the Brunson Brothers lawsuit was that violated the fundamental constitutional principle, uh, um, one of our fundamental constitutional rights. And so this goes to the Supreme Court docket uh, they review it. They, um, I think the latest is they are not going to push forward with it, but it still does set a precedence because, frankly, it gave a lot of power to the Supreme Court if they had gone through with it to remove Biden and never let him allow to serve. So we thought, boy, is this the way he gets taken out? But I, I don't think it's going to come to fruition that way. But all of these things together where the Democrats decide we're going to take out Biden and Mayor um, Garland has appointed a special counsel to investigate the classified documents. And we'll see this these pressures come to bear to take him out. So he'll be gone in a couple, he'll be gone within two years. We will have political chaos with two presidents that come and go and don't even get to serve. Then we will have these three eagle heads. And so, yeah, um, that's where, I, that's where I looked at that particular suit. What it was for was to remove these mm -hmm. sitting members. So the my point with that is you could see how legally the governmental system that we rely on could be dismantled for these eagle heads to take over. Yes. Right? It's like, how would that all happen? Well, here was something for the Supreme Court. If they went forward with, could have removed all yes. of these senators out of office immediately now what do we do yes we'll go back in to fill up these spots and yeah crazy but uh well to finish up this segment it, we'll we'll sign it off here but um john if you wanted to share the moment in your life that you went from a little kid wondering about god and life and and everything to where you went from that to i have a testimony i know god is real he's there and i don't i don't this yes. what i said at my mom's funeral to people there, I'm like, I don't have a testimony or belief in God. I know that I know. Yes. That I know. And I won't know oh. any more when I die than I know now that yes. he's real. So what was that for you? What was that? That You know, I, I have, a lot of people have had many experiences, like really powerful spiritual experiences that have given them their testimony. And it has never really been my case where I always... I'm, it might have been a spiritual gift, but I always just believed. I always just had faith and accepted it. And when I think about how my testimony was seeded, it was from my parents as ever since I was very little, I always had those little um, moments and I just always believed. But, you know, my first just amazing spiritual experience um, was in the temple in the MTC when I was going on my mission. And the last day of uh, our P-Day, you know, we decided let's go to the temple. And usually we go to the temple and then we go play basketball or something like that. And um, this last day at the temple, we said, you know, let's go to the temple all day and let's do all the ordinances as many as we can. 
And I was in a trio, so I had three companions. And we did we did all these ordinances and the baptism, confirmation. That was one of the last ordinances. And I remember as we were walking out, we got hit with the most incredible spiritual experience. I mean, I can never deny what I felt at that moment. And I have always gone to the temple and I have always felt the spirit. But sometimes there is just a clear, plain dose of the spirit that was so strong. And I just had this, the the feeling, I, I could not believe it. And just the happiness. And I look back at my companions and I could see they were in the same, the same cloud. And it was almost like, um, the Lord was telling us, you did something critically important for people behind the veil that really wanted their ordinance work done. And, and it was also a thing of saying, you know, thank you for doing my priority work versus going and doing your selfish play or whatever. And so it was just interesting, you know, having gone to the temple so many times, but that one incident was just incredible. And so from that, I've had other experiences, especially on my mission when I was teaching where the spirit just came so strong. I was like, oh my gosh, can you, <laughs> it is undeniable. And it was a feeling. I mean, I, it was more believable than seeing the angel, like Laman and Lamuel, they saw an angel and they didn't believe. Well, when you have that, that feeling, that confirmation, it's like, I could never uh, deny what I know, no matter what any no matter how convincing or things are because i mean you know if you're going to read anti-mormon literature it's like watching your favorite movie let's say avatar that's a new one and if you read 20 reviews about how bad avatar was and all the context was horrible about avatar you'd probably lose your faith in avatar but i just feel like it was a blessing and it insulated me from any doubt and so I, I literally have no doubt um, the craziest stuff could happen. I will not, and I'm making a conscious decision. I will never lose my faith. I will choose to believe no matter what happens. I will not be rattled, unmet expectations or nothing. I, no matter how bad my life turns or whatever, I have made a decision that I will always believe no matter what. And I, I can't deny the the experiences I've had that have witnessed that to me. And I never I never dare would deny that. That and that's the that's James 1, verse 5, which is if you lack wisdom, ask God. If you ask God with faith, nothing wavering, you know, he'll answer you. And that I, I bear my testimony to you. That is true. You want to know. If you lack faith, if you're scared about the second coming, you're worried, worried about the state of the world, what's going to happen to you and your family, put this to practice. Go and ask your Heavenly Father if he's real. If you don't know that, get that testimony like I have, uh, like John has. It's absolutely the rock that holds you and anchors you in place no matter all the craziness that goes on around you. You know that he's there. You may not understand why he's doing what he's doing, why you're suffering, what you're suffering through. There may be times you feel like he's left you alone, but he hasn't. The only person that he's ever actually left alone is his own son on the cross. And he told us that. Why have yes. you forsaken me? He wanted us to know mm -hmm. that he knows what it's like to not have God actually even be there. But yes. None of us have to deal with that. The Savior descended below all of us, which means he's the only one that God actually yes. had to turn his back on. Imagine how hard that was for Heavenly Father. Could you turn your back on your own kid uh, when they were I dying? Mean, yeah, it, no. it's tough. It, you you have to see your son go through this, and he has to go through it mm -hmm. to fulfill the demands of justice, to bring that atonement. And because he did it, he can extend mercy. And I promise you, he wants to extend mercy. Um, those who want to take advantage of the the his atonement, you're saying a big thank you for what you for your atonement towards me. Those who reject the atonement, boy, that that is that is a level level of ingratitude that you never want to have. So um, yeah, I amen to everything you said. It's just. Um, we're all on this journey. We don't need to feel guilty about making our mistakes. 
you will be blessed and you will be atoned for if you're just trying. And that's all that matters is you keep trying your best and it will be good enough and his grace will overcome uh, and make up the difference for you. Well, you and, and I, meaning you out there listening to this and, and us, we are the light of the world. We are the reason God has this world. So thanks for tuning in. This has been John Taylor. I would encourage you to go over to his YouTube channel, John Taylor and Ezra's Eagle. Pull that up. It's great content to listen to. Uh, he does a, he does the best job of anybody that I've actually listened to. And I've studied a ton of people. <laughs> so one of my favorites there, I'm glad he jumped on here today. So thanks for tuning in until the next episode. Thanks, Kevin.